0: Well, let me say hello to the Brentonwood campus and all those of you who are watching this on YouTube. We are recording this on a Saturday evening in the middle of a blizzard. And so besides myself and Todd Heisey, who manages our multimedia, there's no one else in the room. So I'm gonna be doing a lot of looking at the camera today. Well, as we begin this second uh, message on Close Calls, where the series is focused on living out God's call in our close relationships... Last week, we uh, listened to Jen Arousal, who uh, took us through a journey on understanding our faith and dating. Uh, today, I want to talk about marriage, and our subtitle is uh, Fully Known, Fully Loved. Now, just before I begin this message, I just want to, again, do a shout-out, if it hasn't already occurred in uh, the service that, where this is being watched, that we are having that big night out called A Romantic Evening in Italy. Uh, It's coming this uh, February 15th, Friday evening. Uh, If you haven't got a ticket yet, um, I would just really encourage you to uh, uh, make that a a time for you and your husband and wife uh, to have have a great night out. I know there's tickets still available and just pick one up before you leave um, uh, tomorrow. Now, we want to um, uh, focus in today on marriage, And I want to start uh, reading actually from uh, Genesis, the Genesis account, that gives what I think is a wonderful description of one of the goals of, of, of marriage, or the vision of marriage. Um, let me just pick it up in Genesis 2:21 and, and read out the rest of the verses. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh and she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame. You know, this description from the Genesis account gives us a vision for marriage. There is connection. We read here that the man joined his wife. There is transparency. They were both naked. And there was no fear. Um, It says here they felt no shame. And and when I wrap all these ideas together, I I get what I call a, a, a vision for marriage that comes out of God's creation. And I would sum that vision for marriage up into one word. There's acceptance. Total acceptance between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. But of course, when we read the next chapter, we read about sin entering the world. We we read about Adam and Eve's rebellion against God's way and they wanted to go their way. And in that moment of rebellion against God's way, um, the acceptance that Adam and Eve had in their marriage was replaced with shame and fear and hiding and blaming with God and with one another. And, and I can't help but think that, that that really sort of explains a lot of marriages when they are struggling, whether it's, it's public knowledge to everyone or whether it's just behind closed doors. Because I think for so many marriages, people when they start off, they start off with this vision of, of acceptance where they want to be joined and they want to be connected and they want to make each other complete and they, they want to feel no shame and they want to have complete transparency. And yet, um, because of sin and because of, of fear and all these other things that, that comes into their lives because of their brokenness, they move from acceptance to, to, to fear. Um. You know, and so today I want to talk about how do we um, um, get back to acceptance? Um, how, how do we get to that place where we can be transparent with one another? I, I, I know that for a lot of couples that that this, there is really a trouble with transparency. And if you're following along in the the outline with me, I, I think that that we have problems with transparency in two ways, and let, let me be specific here. I, I think first of all, when we think about real transparency in a marriage, we come up with this equation. If we get real, we'll get rejected. Getting real equals getting rejected. I, I mean, if, if, if I have to get real with you, if I reveal to you what I, what I really am, I'll become vulnerable. I can lose your respect. You you may have a a really bad emotional reaction. You may be angry at me. You may ridicule me. You may mock me. You may walk out on me. And I will feel humiliated. My image will be destroyed. And and, and I don't know what I would do if if you rejected me. I mean, I can't help but, but think about this whole issue of transparency when I think about the differences between dating and marriage. I mean, It's interesting, I think, often that dating and marriages work at cross-purposes with each other. I mean, in dating, we're always putting our best foot forward, so to speak. We we, want to smell good. We get plenty of rest so that we're at our best on those special outings. We take time to get interested in what the other person is doing. We try different food. We experience different things. We listen and we talk and we take long walks together. We are patient and always on our best behavior. And, and we do all this, of course, because we want to be accepted. And, and of course, we, we either avoid or cover up or minimize those issues or behaviors or feelings we have that might make us unacceptable. And, and, and therefore, often in those early stages of dating, that's what we do. And so really we're not being transparent. We're only showing the parts to the other person that we think would make us attractive to the other person. But then all of a sudden we get into marriage and often I find this is where newly married people go through a real stress in the first few years. But the truth is that stress continues on in the, in the next set of years and then deep into the, the next set of years and, and, and the challenge is this, you see, we, we, we just can't always be putting our best foot forward now. We need both feet, so to speak. Um, now we're not always smelling good. We, we, we do disagree. We, we don't want to always go to the in-laws this coming weekend. We're, we're not happy always about the money choices or the sex or the lifestyle choices or the, the decisions that are being made by our partner we feel angry. We get selfish. We make unreasonable demands. We don't want to compromise. And then, of course, throw in all the struggles of worry and lust and anger and idolatry and greed and pride that are deep in our hearts, which, which we have a hard time telling ourselves about, let alone sharing them with our partner. So we start to believe that getting real means getting rejected. We're terrified of telling our partner our needs, our wants, our hopes, our fears, and most of all, our secrets. And that leads us also to the other problem with transparency, and that means we start to believe the lie of pretending. We start to really think it's better just to get through this thing now called marriage is to pretend. You know, it's better to let people think we have it all together, We may even come into sort of a silent, unspoken agreement uh, between a husband and wife that says, you know, we've got to pretend that everything's okay. And so even when they come to church, they they want everyone to think that they're a marital success, both spiritually and relationally, relationally, yet they sit in silent agony because maybe there's abuse, verbal, uh, physical, maybe they're facing bankruptcy, Um, maybe they have a a pregnant child that they can't share with anyone else maybe they have another issue going on that they're struggling with deep uh, mental illness uh, in their marriage who knows what it is but they can't share it with anyone and so they go on pretending you know what I think happens to all of us at this moment when we buy into this lie of pretending is we forget about how honest the Bible is about the marriages that we read in the Bible there is no pretending there. I mean, think about it. Um, Adam and Eve, they their honeymoon started in paradise and then it went downhill from there. Um, Abraham and Sarah, read about them in the Genesis account. I mean, Abraham... Uh, wouldn't stick up for his wife, uh, pretended at times uh, she was his sister so he, he wouldn't get in trouble, so to speak. He impregnated uh, a, a servant woman. Um, um, then think, I think of King David, I mean, uh, who wrote the Psalms, who um, uh, was called a man after God's own heart. I mean, he committed adultery uh, with another man's wife. Um, and then he had the husband murdered. Um, um then I think of Solomon, David's son. I mean, it just got worse from there. I mean, the Bible is, is, is grittily honest in, in showing us that, that the marriages were not happily ever after. That, that all the human brokenness w- was there in marriages. And so we have to ask ourselves, if, if the Bible shows us that marriage is not a place to pretend then what does marriage become? Well, let me suggest to you, marriage, I think, is a place to learn. And, and what is it that we have to learn, then, in, our, in the context of marriage? I, I think we get to learn how to accept one another. I think that's what marriage provides for us. We really, truly learn how to accept one another. I mean, the, the, the call to accept one another, we find, is, is firmly rooted in, in our understanding of who Christ is. Um, Romans 15.7 um, says this, um, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I mean, what, what a, a, an incredibly simple statement. But the implications of this are for all relationships, but especially including marriage, are incredible. I, I mean, what this is telling me is that My acceptance of my partner with all of their strengths and weaknesses, successes and and failures, um, their opportunities and their threats, is, is rooted in the gospel of Christ. It's not based on their attractiveness or worthiness or performance, but my acceptance of them is instead based on Christ's acceptance of both of us. I mean, that, that, that's revolutionary when you, when you really start to grab it. I mean, the gospel, the good news we must never forget is this wonderful message that says that we don't have to pretend or perform anymore for God. I mean, Jesus comes to each of us, and he doesn't say, Dave, if you just clean up a bit, if you just get your act together, dress better, pray better, live better, um, work harder, then I'll let you into my family. I mean, When I look at the gospel of Christ, this is what it tells me. It says that Jesus accepts you and me just the way we are. And when someone knows all about me, as Jesus does, all the humiliating truth about me, as Jesus does, and still accepts me, you know what it means? It means I have hope. And the gospel, then, we have to understand that, that we need to apply to our marriages is this. We are not loved because we are lovely, but we are loved in spite of our unloveliness. We are not loved because we made ourselves worthy of love, but we are worthy of love because Jesus died for us. When, when we were unattractive, he made us attractive because of what he has done, not what we have done. He accepted us when we were unacceptable. As the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, now, when we let the gospel of what Christ has done for us to shape our, uh, our marriage relationships, when we, when we bring the gospel into our marriage, um, we are able to move towards deeper and truer relationships. In fact, um, I want to do a modification on something that I usually say to most married couples when I'm performing their wedding ceremony. I I talk about um, if you want to truly grow closer together, which is ultimately um, I believe the desire God puts in our heart when we enter into a marriage relationship, um, I say, think about a triangle. I said, here's the, here's the woman, here's the man, you now enter into marriage, but, but often we go, well, now how do we get closer together? How do we get past all of our fears and our shame and our failure? Well, what I wanna suggest as we think about this good news, this gospel, is let's put the gospel up here in this triangle form. And when we think about saying, as the husband and wife move closer in their understanding of the gospel, look what's happening. They start moving closer together themselves. You know, John Ortberg wrote in his book, The Me, I Want to Be, he says, relationships grow deep when people become real. But I want to suggest that realness can only occur with one another when i know i am accepted just as i am if i have to change me to be loved by you we have now thrown the gospel out of the window so so that moves us into this whole idea as we talk about accepting one another and again if you're following along the outline you know, what, what does this acceptance of one another look like? Well, I really want to say when you, when you are accepting one another just as Christ accepted you, you will put this type of love in action. And this is what it will look like. I think, first of all, it means that um, in your marriage, you'll be more amazed that you're forgiven than being right. I know that often um, uh, uh, a husband and wife can start sort of poking at each other about who's right and who's wrong, but when you bring the gospel into your marriage, you're going to always be more amazed that you are forgiven than being right. It also will will mean this that, that when your partner is acting in an unattractive or sinful way, it's not a time to just pretend nothing's wrong. Instead, because of the gospel of Christ, you and I will reach out in love that truthfully faces the brokenness. I will accept this person just as Christ accepted me in my brokenness. It also means this. It means that we will not reject our partner or walk away when they are expressing their brokenness or sinfulness. Um, we will consider how Christ reached out to us in all of our sin and brokenness through his death on the cross. And when we look, and then we'll look to Christ to soften our hearts and give us strength to, so that we can put time and effort to love our partner well uh, during these difficult moments. Um, you, you know, ultimately, what we're going to do is this. We're going to always remind ourselves that our marriages are gathered at the cross of Christ, and, and while we're gathered at the cross of Christ, we will accept one another, and we'll learn to show grace to each other day by day in this journey of committed love. You know, there's wonderful payoffs, though, that come when we really begin to learn how to accept one another in, in, this, in this, the way Christ accepts us. Um, When I know that I am um, uh, fully accepted by you, um, I will start to change in the following ways. I mean, and our relationship will start to change. When, When we can accept one another just as Christ accepts us, there will be growth in the relationship. Um people will finally be able to um, um, move on and and not have to pretend that there's something that they're not anymore. And they can start to uh, deepen uh, in their understanding of life, especially, again, with each other. Um, there will be freedom. Finally, we can um, take a risk and, and, and express our feelings and express our needs and express our wants without having to guard what we say because, because there will be a graceless reaction. Now there will be a, a graceful response instead. Uh, there will be healing um, there's something amazing when you finally share uh, an area of brokenness in your life. Maybe you're saying, I struggle with pride so much, or I struggle with anger so much. And, the, and your partner now, instead of reaching, pushing away in judgment, reaches out and puts, your, puts a hand on your heart and your soul. And in that moment, there's almost like a, a, mis, a, 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 mis, a mystery type of, of healing going on, um, only worked by the grace of God. Um, th- There'll also be creativity because now there's, there's, a, there's freedom and, and you're willing to to try new things there, There's also going to be joy in your relationship as well because you know that that here's one safe place where I can be accepted and and you can rejoice over that. and then also ultimately, there can be an intimacy that now it's spiritual, it's relational, it's psychological, it's physical. It's it's all summed up, and 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 in a sense, you're you're going back to that moment of God's created and in, uh, creative intent, where uh, once again you are connected, you're complete in one another. Now, as we think about all of this, we 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 finally just I just want to end by saying and talking about about when we really accept one another, as Christ accepted us, we have truly begun Um, begun going down what we call the journey of grace together Um, when we grasp what 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 Christ's work on the cross is for us and how he accepted us just as we were we will let this be the focus of our marriage um, and, and, and what that means then is, is that some things are going to happen as we go down uh, on this journey of grace throughout the years in our marriage. The first thing that will happen is that we're always going to be able to distinguish the difference between the person and the problems. We will not reduce the person that we are called to love uh, in Christ and that we've committed to each other in, in the covenant of marriage. Um, we'll not make them simply the sum of their problems, We will see that they are first and foremost made in the image of God, and yes, they're broken by sin, but we will look beyond their problems, and we will look at how Jesus looks at us with tender and compassionate eyes of mercy, and we will look at that person as well in that way. Um, um, And and also, this brings us to, to my second point here on this journey of grace, and that is we will always make sure that we understand that, that God's plan for our marriage is to be given, guided, guarded, and energized by the grace of God. You see, when we talk about accepting one another just as Christ accepted us, that is a wonderful expression of grace. You see, I will always be trying to draw out the implications of God's unmerited and undeserved love shown to me in my marriage. I mean, if God has shown me unmerited and undeserved love, shouldn't I in turn express unmerited and undeserved love to my partner? So that is how I will allow my marriage to be guided and given and guarded and energized by the grace of God. You know, when, when we go along this journey of grace, I, I just want to conclude with just some, some snapshots, I think, that, that your marriage uh, will look like as, as we move through this, um, in, in this whole idea of accepting one another just as Christ accepted us and showing grace to each other. Uh, here, here's what it could look like. Um, first of all, if, if, if I keep part of my life secret from you, you may tell, you may tell me you love me, but inside I'm going to think you would um, not love me if you knew the whole truth about me. I can only receive love from you to the extent that I'm known by you. I cannot be fully loved unless I'm fully known. And, and, and you see, it's when we have this relationship of grace, when I'm accepting you as you accept me because Christ has accepted us, that that then I realize um, I can be fully known. And now that I'm fully known, I'm fully loved. Um, you know, here's another snapshot that's going to happen on this um, uh, journey of, of grace. Um, uh, I, I think of a quote by Henry Nowen, who wrote this. When we honestly ask which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find it is those who instead of giving advice and solutions or cures have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. And the friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our powerlessness, that is a friend who cares. I want to suggest to you that being that type of friend on the journey of grace in our marriage is is what we can become. You know, C.S. Lewis has reminded us that um, learning to really love one another takes tremendous, hard spiritual work. This is, the, I think, the, the, the work God wants to stir up into our lives. And that means, then, that, that marriage is a place where this great and hard and wonderful spiritual work can take place. I mean, Lewis said that the only way to be sure not to have your heart broken is never to give it to anyone But as Christians, we must give our hearts to each other, and especially in the context of marriage, a man is called to give his heart to a woman, and a woman is called to give her heart to a man, and yet we we do so knowing that we are broken and we're sinful, and yet we do so also knowing that we do it in the grace of Christ. We do it knowing that we are called to accept one another just as Christ accepted us. You know, you know this has real practical implications. I mean, just imagine with me then, you know, a husband or wife wanting to really finally um, be transparent, really finally say, "I, I, I need to be, um, uh, you know, fully known here in this moment." But it now means um, getting real with with you. Because I'm tired of the pretense, I'm tired of the secrets, I'm tired of the lies, I'm tired of of trying to perform anymore. I just want to be loved. But what it means then is is, is saying, um, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety, now are are, are you going to dismiss me? Or or it means saying to to your partner, um, I have an eating disorder, knowing that now you may ridicule me. Or, or I may say, I'm feeling worthless and I'm fed up with my job and, I, and, and you might question my ability to perform and you might even call me a loser. Or, or I may need to say to you, I've been unfaithful um, and, and, and now I know that I run the, the, the fear or the reality of you condemning me. But please understand, um, when we are on this journey of grace, when we share our true brokenness with one another, What what I believe the other spouse will say is this. um, You need not fear. I accept you because Christ accepts us and we will continue to move towards freedom in healing, in intimacy, because of grace. You know, true connection with another person in the context of marriage is found when we get transparent about who we are. Oh my goodness. We need to have in our marriages conversations that move from small talk and just the facts of life, like, honey, you know, it's snowing outside. Like, whoa, is that how deep your relationship goes? Rather, it needs to move to those deeper regions of our souls where we share our feelings, our needs, and our brokenness, and even our secrets. Because when we finally move into that area... We are finally going to get a chance to express the grace of Christ. We get to say, I accept you and you accept me because Christ accepts us. And because of the grace of Christ in our marriage, we can be fully known and fully loved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace that you have shown to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the unmerited and undeserved love that we have in Christ. And Lord Jesus, we pray just as you have accepted us, teach us, soften our hearts, give us the strength to show that acceptance to one another. Lord, help us to move beyond the shame and the fear and the condemnation and help us move towards mercy and love and grace in our relationships with one another, in all of our relationships. But today, Lord, we pray especially for our marriages. And Lord, we know in doing so, we truly can be fully known and fully loved. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to turn the service over at Brentwood Campus back over to Pastor Carolyn at this time.